You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang. Hi, gang. Welcome back to our Watch Along Critical Commentary Podcast, recorded here on the unceded and traditional territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and tsleil Nations. Uh, we are your hosts, Ryan and uh, Chloe. Yes, it's me, Chloe. Man, gang, you've caught us on a heck of a day in terms of tech. Ryan and I have uh, managed to uh, connect, but we cannot see each other this time around because one of our internets is being difficult and we're not sure whose. <laughs> and it's hard Possibly to test. Possibly both. Possibly I, both. I theorize it is the internet because we're recording this at that time of day when literally everyone who works from home is telecommunicating <laughs> in their first couple of meetings. So like that's just that's just internet right now. It was not built for this as much as we love our magic uh, our magic tubes. It's true. It really wasn't. That didn't actually occur to me. Um it's interesting to consider things like the internet being finite, you know? Oh yeah, infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. Yeah, but it it's, is it is it's only so what we have built. And it is all finite. That's true. <laughs> so that's an ominous mood to go into uh, an ominous question mark Riverdale episode? Yeah, I didn't I to be ominous honest, for Polly. Yeah, very ominous for Polly. It's interesting. I um Hmm. For all the ridiculous choices that Riverdale has made, and that, and as much as I was really interested to go back to some season one vibes of the stakes feeling familiar and human, there was a little part of me that was like, oh, I need some weird, like in the first 15 minutes of the episode, and then when we started getting the Mothman, and <laughs> poor Polly having a rough go um, being missing, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> We're back. It's Riverdale. <laughs> that um, was... The Mothman did it for you? I mean, I don't like... Um, I'm not interested in aliens. I, maybe I am interested in aliens as a plot. I don't believe it. Um, well, because because Riverdale Mothman... has, taunted, has taunted the supernatural or the unlikely. <laughs> I don't think aliens are supernatural. Um, and in fact, I think they exist. I just don't think we've bumped into them yet. I'm going to be honest about that. The universe is just too big and too infinite for there not to be other forms of intelligent life. That's my view. Anyway, all this to Fair say theory. is that um, uh, uh, I like the, Riverdale has tantalized us with the supernatural or the unlikely before, and uh, it has not borne fruit. <laughs> so I don't believe that this will bear fruit either. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for the um the the rug to be pulled out on whatever Mothman is to be mundane and a, a man in a in a rubber suit uh, who's foiled by those darn kids. But also, um, I don't think Mothman is aliens as much as they are creating a a. a a binary conversation of spaceships or an explanation of spaceships or, uh, or entangling alien abductions in Mothman. Now, I don't, I don't know too much about Mothman because Mothman is, Mothman is not folklore that exists in Canada very much as far as I'm aware. Yeah, do, I don't. Do you know Mothman, Chloe? I do not know Mothman. I know there. I know it has made its way into media, but that's about it, really. I really don't know much about this lore that should be our homework for next week is a hiatus for anyone who doesn't know but our homework for two <laughs> weeks from now should be something about the mothman well i can i can give a very basic summary because i have poked around with mothman before oh have you okay please. um it's a it's a new it's a relatively new cryptid lore um it's it's uh not old it's um like 60s 70s era spooky stories um okay. and it comes from the west virginia area Oh, okay. Yeah. So my first my first introduction to Mothman was actually in uh, the Adventure Zone when they did a, a mystery game. Uh, it's a wonderful play along D and D podcast or RPG podcast, um, and they uh, played a cryptid based uh, monster game set in in West Virginia, uh, hmm. where the the performers are from. 
so it had a neat, a neat lore intimacy uh, as they sort of referenced the world that they knew, um, the culture they knew. And Mothman appears at one point, and it's a big reveal, and I just... Uh, it meant nothing to me. It fell flat as a big reveal, um, because I had no clue what Mothman means. Um, I still don't get it on a visceral level, but mm-hmm. as a cryptid, um, it's really interesting and notable as a as a new cryptid, as a fairly recent one um, that is sort of really taken up in regional folklore. Um, like it, I, Mothman is like a, it seems like a popular folklore, almost like a, the Loch Ness comes to mind. So is it, um, is it like Sasquatch in that, um, it, it started out as an indigenous, uh, um, mythological being? Not to the best of my knowledge. Um, okay. and at a quick, at a quick wiki, it seems to be tied directly to, like, a specific, um, like, cryptid story in the 60s. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, and... I don't know anything uh, about while, that. While, while certainly there's a good chance some of this lore is, uh, stolen from an indigenous nation on those lands... Sure. Uh, most, most of our settler culture has some roots there, honestly. But, yeah, um... totally. Um... It's sorry, not documented ahead. as far as I've seen. That's interesting. Um, I, I think, I guess Mothman, a Mothman idea sort of, I imagine plays into how people tend to be squicked out by insects, which is not really one that I have. It's very specific Mm. insects I get squicked out by, but not insects as as a group. I don't know if, I don't know if that may have something to do with it. I am the inverse. I am the inverse, Mm. if you'll remember. There are select, there are select creatures I can convince myself do not qualify as insects because of some gorgeous aesthetic. Because default insect is a thing that I viscerally cringe away from. I respect this living thing that is there doing its thing, but I would like it to stay there while I stay here, please. Yeah, I remember now visiting you in Japan where there are... Um, a plethora of bugs that we don't have in North America, and your reactions to some of them were, like, pretty charming. (laughs) Big bugs! They were not charming for you, probably, but as your friend who loves you dearly, it was charming uh, for me (laughs) to watch you react to them. Big bugs! I grew up 500 kilometers north of Edmonton. That's about a... That's, that's like, a thousand kilometers north of the border. Mm-hmm. Our bugs are tiny because they die every winter and it gets minus 40. We have lots of mosquitoes, but they're itty-bitty ones. Yeah. I'm afraid of inhaling a mosquito more than anything with a mosquito. Right. Um, but it's it's a weird little niche um, because if, if you go further north, they start to get bigger again. But anyway. Um, oh, so you were in the sort of the Goldilocks zone of bugs where you were growing up. It was it was beautiful. It was I didn't know it at the time, but you know, as far as I can as far as away as I could get from the giant bugs. Mothman does not necessarily count as a giant bug. I like moths fall into bug category. Mm. But moths are moths can be so gorgeous. So yes. so gorgeous. I like, like I moth, worked with a I have to say. I worked with a textile artist in my in my early twenties, uh who used moths as a heavy motif and really, really, really um, introduced me to just the, the visual of of what's possible in these beautiful fuzzy patterns. They're mm. they I've I've learned to appreciate them as night butterflies. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, you said the word night, not knife. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yes. 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 <laughs> The moth with like a little knife that, stabbing you in was. the dark. <laughs> I was ready to unpack it. All right. Well, Night's I'm butterflies. interested in jumping in, I think, if you're interested in jumping in. Yeah, I think all of our other plots are at least firmly rooted enough in the town once called Riverdale that uh, we can grab them on the fly. Um, yeah. Yeah, everyone else is pretty... Only Jughead's this out there. 
only Jug- Jughead is chasing the mystery. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Well, Betty's Betty's chasing a much worse mystery. Yeah. Are they going to be the same mystery again, as per tradition? Who oh, knows? I don't know about that. I um uh have some thoughts about Polly's 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 plot, but let's come to it when we come to it. Yep. 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 Um. I'll throw out the content warning that we're likely to discuss in that, in the last bit of this show and in the post-show, a great deal of real-world violence and difficult contemporary situations uh, experienced by women. So, Mm. quick content warning for that. Feel free to peace out at the end if, if, uh, if you know and need and don't want to. Yes. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Okay, I have got my Netflix all queued up, and I am, yes, yes, still recording. That's good. (laughs) Always Um, good. Always good. Are you all ready, Ryan? I am ready. Uh, Why don't you count us in with the Badoom today, Chloe? Just for something new. (laughs) Just for something new. (laughs) Yeah. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. Badoom. Warner Brothers. Yep. And right back in. Yeah, no previously. So, 25-year-old teacher Jughead. There's no narration in this episode. Yeah, yeah true. We start with Jug. We start with Jug, though. We sort of... We start in... Is, isn't there an outro narration? Or am I misremembering? I, I don't think so, let's but let's see. There. Let's see. Um, so I, I'm... Yeah. I really felt Jughead's feelings about, oh, this scene was cute. I mean, give this actor more to do, but this scene was cute. Mm-hmm. Jughead's feelings? Um, oh, yeah. Jughead's feelings on, oh, my gosh, is this um, curriculum still the same is something I feel deeply. <laughs> something I feel deeply. This little I... piece of... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh... I think we probably love the same things. This little piece of of yeah. whatever Tony and Kevin's life has become, Fangs as the absolute stunner of a of a husband, of a supportive, cheery, hot husband. I t- Kevin's living a good life. Yeah. All things considered, I mean, he could get out of the red meat state state, yes. but. He seems happy here. Miss um, Gecko, so I, awkward. Uh, actually, the thing I really liked was the little piece of physical comedy with Archie and Betty and Jughead, where they were like, "Where are we going? How do we get there?" Um, ah, yes. I did also like there were some nods to the first season in this episode that I don't think I noticed. Also, I love that all these kids who've had this ridiculous li- these ridiculous lives are like objects of fascination for the new students at Riverdale. Like they all have to kind of be like, "We're not going to talk about that in this class." <laughs> <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple of nods to the Miss Grundy event, I felt, in this episode. Mm. One of them is uh, Jughead, or excuse me, um, Archie and Betty in the car, which was like nice, adult, fully consensual situation. We love to see it. Um, oh, and then yes, also uh, Veronica is the hot teacher who's like, okay, well, I'm not going to bank in on that. No, thanks. No. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that was it's a, I thought that it's was a, a fantastic... nice nod to things that were unpleasant in the first season. Course correction. Course correction as we shift our perspective from the 16-year-old students to the 25-year-old teachers. Yes. And yes, yes, yes. and we're not creating a villain yes. like Grundy was um, so Hiram as a, as a bad guy. I'm more I'm interested on... in this bad guy version of Hiram, but I, I think the reason I've disliked him all this time is I've never really been clear on what his motive is. Why this town? Mm. Little mm. Doritos product placement. Mm-hmm. It's true. Why? Yeah, there are so many easier ways to make money. Yeah. Why this particular spot? Why Sodale? Why despotism of this particular small town? I had something to say, and I don't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. 
I think I'm going to be empathizing with Jughead a lot this season. Um, just as like a, a former English nerd, the idea of teaching a group of people who are not interested in English, um, <laughs> English just makes me cringe so hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, Veronica's storyline. I am mm. intrigued by her choices and um, completely unsurprised by the arc she's given this episode. I enjoyed her arc maybe more than the other three, um, even though it was exactly what I expected. Um, maybe maybe in that regard, Riverdale's delivering that nice um, uh, genre piece with Veronica. Like, mm. I'm kind of cool with a... With a, like, single single woman business power narrative um, that really unpacks the relationship and control and dynamics and finances and resources of, um, of marriage in her, in her lived experience, in her class, in her expectations. Mm. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what we'll get. I'm hopeful. Um, I also love Tabitha. Um, yeah. Girl, you move fast. Respect. But but you pluck Jughead off that bush nice and right real early. She is <laughs> she is making moves this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I believe <laughs> I believe this storyline more now that we see that she's curious about him rather than him pursuing her. I think it's kind of a nice Yes. A, a nice choice. Um, and get, getting to know more about her and where she's coming from, like, that's a neat flavor. Yeah. Um, and I also like that, like, we're not, she's not, like, gaga for him, you know? She's like, oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by this guy. I can tell he's got mm-hmm. a little bit of, like, something going on that I'm not necessarily interested, but I'm a little intrigued by him. Like, I like, yeah. I like that. Well, it's a neat arc. Like thinking of thinking of Jughead from her perspective. Jughead was a town story of a jerk, mm-hmm. and then this twippy, pathetic, vulnerable man diving behind the counter and yeah. desperately out of work, <laughs> and then this thoughtful, in, this thoughtful, vulnerable teacher who gets her talking and is a good interviewer and a good conversationalist. Mm-hmm. Um, like, neat string of surprises. I can see why. Like, Jughead is Jughead is trailing nicely as her too perfect but conflicted love interest right now for me. Yes. I like it. Yeah. Here we go. Consensual sex in a car. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Archie. Finally, the gaze points onto Archie's abs. <laughs> and it's just a little less weird to be like, yeah, those are those are nice abs. He's earned those abs, and he works for those abs daily. Good abs. Good abs. Good abs. Good abs. Good abs. Now, sloppy arson. Yeah, they're not literally in a can. Like, God, start the library or something. Cafeteria. It's just. It's just. There is every chance that can would have burnt itself out as a scorch on the tile or set off the alarms. <laughs> like <laughs> Right. I wonder if it was to, to damage the school seal, because that's what it's on top of. Mm, like an intimidation arson, not yeah. burn you all down arson. Well, yeah, maybe maybe I am uh, projecting because of the, the episode ending arson seems so violent. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, oh, we get a little glove on hand from uh, Mr. Weatherby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice reference to past seasons. Thank you for your consistency, Riverdale. Oh, I didn't check to see if there were still bear claws on Archie's chest. Mm, they, yeah. they were consistent well, about it that was pretty for shaded. Yeah, he was pretty <laughs> shaded. I am appreciating Weatherby as a core support team member. Mm-hmm. Um that's something from the comic I missed, uh, or not necessarily missed, but like that it feels nostalgic to pull that relationship in. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, I'm liking Reggie given some real edge and some real antagonist content. Um, 
I think he is has been broadly underused as an antagonist compared to his comic legacy in history. That's like, right. um, I'm in. I'm intrigued to see. You know, many of the promises of of him and Archie as as rival and antagonist protagonist balances uh, that were sort of touched on in season one uh, feel re- circled back to to me. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you actually said something kind of insightful about Reggie that I had to edit out of the last podcast because our um, Zooms froze and um, <laughs> the comment I made ended up sparking something else interesting that you said, so I kept my comment. What did I say? What did I say? You said something about Reggie is like the guy who stayed in the small town and is, uh... is and is angry, but yeah, something along those lines, the angry guy who stayed in the small town. Mm-hmm. Kind of wishes he hadn't. Yeah. Oh man, pop quiz, power trip, power trip. So Jughead's not a good teacher, right? No. Yeah, okay. I mean, cool. I wonder if cool. he'll have a, an aha moment, like if they'll have a moment where he goes, "Like this curriculum is bunk. Let's read something interesting," and they'll be like, "Oh, this is interesting." <laughs> Jughead would find of mice and men interesting, though, wouldn't he? Well, sixteen-year-old Jughead, maybe. 25-year-old Jughead. Okay, this is so inappropriate, Chad. This is so interesting to me because I remember my teacher's husband's, one of my teacher's husbands at any rate, coming to school to surprise her with her kids. And I was thinking about how different that moment was compared to this, which is like um, very kind of a power move in a different way. Like, oh, I'll just sit at the back of your classroom and watch you. Like, blech. Yeah, it's wildly inappropriate Mm -hmm. and creepy and it is not respectful to her time it is controlling of her time and the control the um the the tension of the control pull back and forth of veronica's plot line Mm -hmm. feels very very um tense and strong and back and forth to me i think that's what stood out to me in this episode's plot like there is there is a an act of conflict in every Every bit of interaction. Mm, that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's very full. Uh, that that segment of the story, and very tense and state and high stakes. Um, I immediately called that. Uh, Tony was like, "Oh, it's earmarked for something else." I was like, "It's a cheer team." <laughs> 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 it's a cheer team. <laughs> I, meanwhile, am, like, just head-spinning that Archie could expect 20 grand from a school budget out of the blue. I mean, that's what school teams cost, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. I've never, I was never on a school team. I don't really have a sense of, like, mm-hmm. what what that's like. I hope yeah, Fangs, that... she, she just said Fangs and the other trucker, and the other serpents have become truckers. I hope Fangs is going to, like, feature in this search for Polly plot. I hope he gets something to do. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That he can, he can contribute heroically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, first of all, talking about these adult subjects in a school hallway is foolish. <laughs> because yeah. a teenager is going to hear yeah. them and repeat it. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I don't know how I feel about the navigation. It's really interesting the different versions of sex work we've seen on this show. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not thrilled with what they give us so far um, about the ex- this this survival sex work dynamic and experience. I'm not thrilled with it. Uh, it's so far very stereotypey and very mm. othering. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, I mean, the last time we saw a sex worker was um, Cheryl's mom, Penelope, and a pal yeah. of mine who's a sex worker actually really liked that character. Um, yeah. She's so a powerful that, madame. Yeah, so that has a good that has a good nod, but you know, like outdoor outdoor sex workers generally just have a, a rougher go from what little I know. Mm-hmm. Um and also the, let's remember that the, Penelope became a horrifying serial killer big bad like a season later. Mm-hmm. Like like who they what they do with this character after introducing sex work as a facet of their career and life is, ah. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, I just, I think the line between um, outdoor sex work and sex trafficking can be a little blurry for people who are not mm. in the job, like you and I. Yep. And I, I want to give... Yeah, that makes sense. I want to give some feedback about this, but I'm actually not sure what the right feedback is. Mm. So, I th- maybe... I think... Um, I think that that'll be something good for us to uh, maybe uh, go out in a, into our community and have some conversations yeah. about in between as we see what the show offers us uh, of Polly's story. Because if Polly's story ends at the end of this scene, yeah. then then it, it then I think it's a pretty straightforward failure yeah. of of yeah. an empathetic story um, because that's that's the stereotype to show. Uh, right. To use to use someone in in that situation uh, and in doing survival sex work as a mechanism of drama in uh, someone else's story, with their story being terminal, being mm-hmm. a plot device. It's 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 the bad trope. It's there are worse tropes they could do, but that's the that's the bad trope baseline for me right now that yeah. I'm hoping they can work past and do better than. The name, the name back and forth is, it's like, this is not a happy marriage. Yeah. (laughs) I actually fast forwarded through this scene because I find, I find moments of social tension like this in film really like unsettling. I can watch horror movies, no problem, but this is Mm -hmm. the kind of thing that just makes my stomach turn over. Yeah. This is a little Scott's Tots, uh, deep, awkward, um, awkward by proxy push now she seems surprised that he's duetting with her yeah that that's not how songs work yeah (laughs) like is this a duet was this a duet like yeah i don't know like kevin cries like if he's cute yeah, Kevin cries, which is cute because Kevin is an adorable romantic, and I love it. Um, Thanks, loves it. Anyway, yeah, I agree. I, this 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 is the kind of moment that I, I I don't know something about this just makes my stomach turn over. I don't. The song's beautiful. Like both both of these singers sound mm-hmm. great. Yes, um, yes. I was surprised and pleased how uh, charming and uh, lovely and harmonic. Chad got to be. Um, they almost fooled me uh, mm-hmm. that they were going somewhere kinder with him. Uh, and I feel like... I, I also feel like that is reflective of Veronica's experience in this plot. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she's given... She's she's highlighted here. When he gives her space to shine, this is, this is a really metaphoric interaction. Mm. Um... And when it works, she gets this really romantic duet surrounded by lights with everyone cheering. Yeah. With the lovely night together, waking up with your lover. Um, And that's... Yeah. I like being swept away into the unreliability of Veronica's experience. And I feel like the the setting of this also does this. The set, the, the, the design, the tech, the the devices of this all do that very, very well. Again, comparing to the other major plot lines. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that. Um, I, I just, yeah, I don't know where they're going with this character. As soon as you mentioned Hiram, I was like, Hiram set this whole marriage up. That's where this is going. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoyed them taking the time to show us the um the engaging and attractive beats of this relationship the the chemistry that they have mm-hmm. and um particularly um shared ambitions shared mm. shared drive yeah um totally. it was things that we've never seen veronica have with a partner before with reggie with archie with anyone um that's true. Um, I think that's a really that's a, an important point to kind of press on with this character is that she hasn't had a love interest who's really matched her yeah. in that way. 
the watching it again, the music, the the sing, the song scene. I'm really seeing these you know moments where Veronica spotlights all the harder for the duet. Mm. Yep. Um, and that pull. This is this is the that. most clumsy, most that. clumsy. But but also, this is I I I, I this has to be intentionally clumsy. This is. This is um, Archie oh, sorry, being the teacher on Glee. We were talking before. I thought the scene was earlier. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Sorry, interrupted you. Yes, has to be clunky intentionally. Carry on. Um, I feel like we're almost referencing episode one of Glee, where the the boundary confused young teacher recruits a, a buttload of students wantonly and randomly in hyperbolic high school scenario. Um, mm. I'm getting that vibe from Archie right now. I'm getting a much goofier vibe from his plot uh, and 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 uh, themes in comparison to what we're getting with Veronica, and very in contrast to the the Choni dynamic and this um, apparent ending of the Blossom Fortune. Maybe murdering everyone running the actual company wasn't a great idea. Yeah, also, um, I would like to point out to Cheryl, as someone who has asset-rich, cash-poor people in my family, you have many assets mm. around you that you could sell and be very, very rich. I will challenge, fine. the vintage furniture market is, ain't what it used to be. Oh, but she has a whole house. She has property, she has clothes, she has jewelry. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. It's it, I yeah. I would. I'm a little. I'm interested in a Cheryl that has to sell everything. That interests me, to be honest. True, selling property is is quite a narrative for a last heir of a powerful settler family. Yes. Uh, not one I've seen recently either, but one that has a lot of classic tellings um, that could definitely be done more intersectionally. Yeah. Mothman. 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 I, for a split second, I thought he was going to um, bump into his grandfather. But I think that <laughs> plot line got resolved. I just remembered that. <laughs> I do think this, this – there's something about this scene that felt very real to me um, mm-hmm. in the sense that, like, finding a really good interview as a writer – um, uh, is really satisfying, mm. and the kind of skepticism of like, wow, this guy like really believes what he's saying. Wow, mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. I went into a, a a gem shop down the street from a restaurant my mom and I used to go to. We were waiting in line for the restaurant, and I went into mm-hmm. this gem shop, and we had. I started. I struck up a. Con- I was really young. I struck up a conversation with this guy, and he he really believed so deeply in aliens. Um, right. And like they're them contacting us, he really, really, really believed it. Uh-huh. And um, I, I don't know. I this 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 whole sequence, I found like a very believable, quirky man in a small community kind of kind of exchange. I don't know. Yep, yep. Um, these characters are real. People like this. There are real lives who have very bold and central informative ideas based on something that experienced sometimes real sometimes uh, a ski uh, uh, a schema for understanding something that we don't quite get yeah um interesting notes of this scene for me um the backlit porch the setting the the sort of closed in hills i I clocked for the first time that Riverdale might be Appalachian adjacent. Mm. And that the hills of Riverdale might be, might be foothills of the Appalachians, which is, which is a culture note that, uh, hearkening back to the, the Great Lakes discussion of regionality of, of, uh, treaty land and, and relationships from last episode, um, orienting us as near, the, near the Appalachians, or dry, an easy drive from the Appalachians, is is another neat land clue, potentially. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I guess we're getting back into that. Um, by the way, I say that's interesting on this podcast so much. 
thank you for bearing with us, listeners. <laughs> I promise I know more words than that. Um, <laughs> Riverdale is a mythical place. Um, a place that doesn't really exist in time and space. Um, yeah. uh, I liked this moment because Betty is doing things by the book. She shows her badge. She wears her jacket. She cuffs him. She brings him back to a real police station. Like, I, I'm not saying that that's like, I'm not endorsing that as like a practice of state violence. What I'm saying is yep. I think it's interesting choice for this character that she's no longer locking anybody in a basement and pulling a gun on them, you know? Yes, 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 yes. Um, in the, in this investigation, she is she's using the infrastructure and trying to do it in light rather than on her own. Um, I also, I really appreciated this, um, this man's performance, uh, in that he states right out, right off the gate, I didn't do anything wrong. And, like, he didn't? Mm. Necessarily? Like, that's, like, there's nothing necessarily wrong with his and Polly's relationship? Yeah, if it's I mean, he, consensual, he paid for his consensual and developed, and, and yeah, or he bought drugs. It's, an, it's not really clear to me which thing he does, and I don't think exactly. it's like particularly appropriate to leave someone on the side of a highway. But she did run away from him. Yes, I, I appreciate what you're saying. It's interesting that we have a yeah, a sort like, of gray zone character like that. Everything he did wrong would be could, as far as I can tell is aligned with what happened after in the police investigation, you know, a reasonable caution, uh, or a moral judgment that is is systemically inherent. Yeah. Um, this is also a variety of like feminist writing itself that I don't, I'm not really into, Mm. to be honest. Um, the, like the girls get all the money this time and the boys have to suffer. Like, I mean, great. Mm. It like, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, great. I'm glad that we prioritize, like, a sport that's dominated by women as opposed to a sport that's dominated by men. But that doesn't mm-hmm. actually balance the scales. It just makes them imbalanced in the other direction. Like, equity doesn't necessarily function like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The, it, I just, in this, in this case, it's it's not equalizing or corrective or rep- reparative necessarily. Um, but it's also it's also a real zero sum mess of things. Yeah, I mean uh, it is re- reparative, and that part I appreciated because um, mm-hmm. I imagine the cheerleading team hasn't received like as much funding as the football team in years past, or if they have, it's like as an adjacent experience to the football team. So I appreciated mm-hmm. that they got a ton of money, and that yeah. that was prioritized. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Also, I, there's it's worth noting it that doesn't sit happily for me. I don't really know what. It, it's worth noting Tony did it right, developed a program over a year, put in a budget request yeah. at the place where she works, and, and like, made it happen. Whereas Archie kind of just derped in and expected it. Because yeah, football. That is a good point. Okay, maybe I, <laughs> maybe I take back all my opinions and I just like it. I think I take back all my opinions and just like it. It's, this actor looks- it also familiar to me there's a, there's a trope there is a trope and i they might play into it in that in that gendered conflict mm-hmm. um yeah i wonder if she is local this art appraiser who's about to get uh scammed scammed yeah poor coat. wearing a wonderful coat just a little costume nod wearing a wonderful coat you know you know it's this is i'm I'm immediately anchoring back to your point last Cheryl scene that she could just sell the original. Yeah. Like, like, yes, yes, your late brother, but you have photographs. You can make a print of the beautiful, beautiful portrait. It's worth how much money? (laughs) Man, this is one of the things that I love about watching Riverdale is that this road, I've never been to it. I've never been here, but it's Mm. so familiar to me. Um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of movies that get made in BC are movies where BC is standing in for somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I don't know. I really appreciate, I think what I appreciate the most about Riverdale is how much they showcase where I'm from. Like, I really like it. Yeah. With, with beautiful, beautiful variety of the many environments that they have at their fingertips, 
they 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 change worlds so fully between shots between color um and they support it they 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 leave they have this rich color toning they jump around cin- with cinematography from style to style to style um and they it 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 maybe incidentally but it it does um showcase a lot of the beautiful natural variety that is in the in the lower mainland in the Pacific Northwest region. Yeah. Um, I loved this exchange. I say go for it. Embrace the weird. I thought that was like mm-hmm. a fun, mm-hmm. just a fun moment between them. I liked the dialogue there. Yep. Also, I like them being friends. Just suit. chill bro friends. Yeah, chill bro friends. We love to see it. Um, I'm distracted by this incredible purple power suit on Veronica. I love it. I want yep. one. I love it. Yep. Top-notch yep. costuming, in my opinion. <laughs> Perhaps it's not, yeah. like, you know, maybe it's not award-winning, but I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> Bold character choice costuming. Yeah. I'm into it. You could costume wonder... me, Riverdale, anytime. I'd be into it. He's wearing a leather jacket. It's a choice. It's like a He's business wearing... leather jacket. It's like an over-an-expensive t-shirt, yeah. you know? A clean, crisp, new, unscratched... Uh, high-end leather jacket that doesn't really look useful when he goes to the small town. I wonder... uh, Yeah, now, just the the note on the neat costuming has me thinking what we're getting of Chad and Mm, what we're mm -hmm. being shown of Chad. And knowing that we have a Chad who's fake-fitting in and ingratiating himself in his wife's life in an invasive, weird way. Yeah. Weird, invasive, common way. Yeah, <laughs> truly. Yeah, unless he's just been hired by Hiram th- from the beginning to control Veronica. That's my going theory. I'm going to be honest. I'm sticking to it. It may be. I don't. That would be wild. But I, I, I'm leaning into a, a somewhat more chill. He's just sexist and naturally gravitates towards uh, Hiram as a family power figure yeah, as, and a fa- as a fellow chooses. sexist <laughs> yeah as a patriarch yeah. <sighs> so this is a moment in their relationship that there's a split second here where i really want this relationship to work where they're like we'll do mm-hmm. every other weekend i'll spend four days in new york like i think it's just such a healthy way to do relationships if i'm being honest this is extremely accurate to how many uh many people i know who travel a lot for work do their relationships there's careful scheduling and and careful mindfulness of when we are and aren't together and what that's going to mean effort wise like i think i think perhaps something you get with uh in a relationship like this is um a good sense of the the big difference living together versus your time spent alone um you really oscillate in these long periods between yeah. how, how things are working. When, or when your partner regularly goes out of town for two weeks, it's uh, it's a different life rhythm. That you yeah, get to absolutely. Yeah, there's a, there's a moment there where I that that moment had a lot of verisimilitude, and I yeah, I just I was invested in them for a moment, and then he pulls out that I've been talking to your dad card, and I was like, no, <gasps> I hate you again. <laughs> well, first he gets crazy jealous, crazy jealous. Crazy, crazy jealous. No. Pay you back. Yeah, you is both singular and plural in English, Chad. <laughs> there is no way he could have distinguished that without making it a y'all. And I don't think we're Texas adjacent. <laughs> it's true. This moment is so squicky. I love it. Chad power trip so bad. Yeah, I, I hate him. This is great. I love it. Mm-hmm. I hate him. He's already done it enough times that, like, I'm worried for past Veronica and what she's given into. Yeah. Veronica's what like, she's what is going waved. on here? I hate this. Mm-hmm. Chad is weak. <laughs> you are weak, Chad. You are frail. Your ego is frail. Yeah. I um, misheard a line that he's about to say um, mm-hmm. in I, a few minutes. I actually don't know. It's I actually don't know if it's, it's 
safe to say. I don't know how clean it is. I misheard the I'm sorry <laughs> if I was a dick to Archie line. I came across dickish. I definitely heard I'm sorry if I crossed dicks with Archie, which I thought was like a very different sentiment. <laughs> Really and yet, somehow, somehow loops around the same concept at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah, in just... in a contemporary world of of very diverse pansexual characters, I think this could turn into a hot hate sex three way quite easily. I don't think we're going there. <laughs> I don't. Think but we're going I, there either. a world has been invented where I would believe that happening. Yes. I would accept that. I I'm I'm trying to read Jughead's reaction in this uh, this moment where Tabitha's like, "Well, I'll help." Like, is it, Jughead feels very like, "No, I must suffer alone. Mm. I must hold everyone at arm's length for a sec." And I was like, mm. "Ugh, okay." But I also I, it was interesting. I couldn't read his reaction a hundred percent. Now I I feel like for this episode we've stepped out of Jughead's head in a lot of ways. We see him yeah. stumbling and challenging, and we see him do things, and then we see Tabitha see him. Yes, um, and she sees this resistance, this hesitance. Um, last episode when we were with Jughead inside his phone calls, inside his narrative, we saw the sketchiness of the ask being made of him. We saw the the landmines that writing this book about the town. Could mm-hmm. could set out for him. We know we know there's some stakes that he's being dodgy about. Um, but taking away that perspective knowledge and sitting with Tabitha um, was neat. Yeah, he's very like this is nice. I don't. What's happening? I don't. What's happening? This is nice. <laughs> I like it. It's a fun reaction. Yep. Doesn't know how to be kindly engaged with in a non-exploitive way. Yeah. In a non-transactional way. This exchange is fun. They are fun. I am into this. It's fun. They have chemistry. They have chemistry when in the heat of a fight. They have chemistry when distracting themselves from terrible things. Um, This, I've seen so many relationships form this way. This yeah. is this is a this is a very contemporary story of relationship formation. Yeah. So we're friends, okay? Now we're friends who sleep together, okay? I guess we like each other now. Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Listen, I don't appreciate <laughs> being called out for the time I dated your roommate right now. <laughs> <sighs> you and many others, Chloe. Oh, great! Thanks. <laughs> don't make me feel special or anything. <laughs> You are of your time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I do not see any bear claw marks. Continuity error. Points. Yep, failure. Seven years is not time enough for those scars to go away. Mm-mm. No. Um, noting that all of the beefcake moments I've personally flagged, which could be my bias, help me out, Chloe, <laughs> uh, seem to be... Um, male and mask beefcake moments with um with their partners uh engaging with that uh whether it's whether it's fangs whether it's archie whether it's uh a very light flirty sort of jughead um there's whether it's abs one two three four five six seven eight (laughs) (laughs) it's true i have uh, not seen many breasts thus far in riverdale yeah, even um, even even well covered breasts. There are I'm not seeing objectifying shots or cheesecakey shots on on the women this episode. The most breasts I have seen actually have been Tony's, which are on top of a pregnant belly, which is fine with me. Oh yeah, Tony in that that really fabulous dress in the opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. De- I am delighted that. Tony gets to live her life this much while also being a guidance counselor. And that, yes. like, there are moral panic challenges that that I think would be prohibitive in a lot of real-world situations. Um, to running a karaoke bar, even. Let alone the gang history. Let alone 
um, being just all of the things that are part of Tony's life and that are richly Tony. Um, that they let her be that and be this leader and this this community core figure. It's yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I like it for Tony as well. And, I, you know, I feel like all the guidance counselors I've known have been really cool people who probably have very mm. interesting lives outside of work. Rings true. Yeah. Rings I have the awkward me. situation of being in choir with my guidance counselor. Oh. Lovely lady, lovely lady. Um, but my school was badly under-resourced, and so, like, she was also teaching multiple classes oh, and band and sometimes vice-principaling stuff and administrative stuff. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a little weird to, to, to fully engage with that service after choir practice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the closest I came is I did theater with one of my drama teachers, hmm. which is not quite the same because you don't tell your drama teacher. I mean, you tell them a fair amount of feelings, but you don't <laughs> tell them the same level that you would tell a guidance counselor in my experience. Yeah. You don't expect them to do anything about it. Yeah. I love how Kevin is just along for this. <laughs> Yep, yep. Um, Kevin has a collection of good, close friends. Um, Kevin is engaged closely with his father. We haven't we haven't heard anything about um, Kevin's mother for a very long time, but Kevin yeah. clearly has rich, active hobbies, question mark? Of I mean, it sounds like he deputying. mostly works. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, but he's a teacher. Of course he mostly works. Yeah. We, we know teachers. Do they sleep? No. Not in the first few years. <laughs> this cell phone battery <sighs> has an amazing life. Yeah, true. I'm not mad about that, though. It's a television show. Yeah. It's and a television show, in the great words of that character from The Hunger Games. Uh, the the mentor. Flipping. Um, We see this oh, hand sticking image. out of the swamp. Yep, I don't want that to be Polly's hand. I don't want yeah. that to be the last we see of Polly, except maybe a shot in Doctor Cuddy Junior's. Um... Man, this is a this is a murder fire, eh? Yeah, this is a this is a fire that will actually do damage. <laughs> this um, this is burn Betty's house down. This will yeah. trap these kids. Like for two days in, and Hiram's already trying to murder Archie again. Like I am here for Hiram hyperbole. In that mm-hmm. this level of gang ridiculous Archie, uh, Hiram Archie conflict is as ridiculous as um, old rich wasp uh, money <laughs> billionaire Hiram from the comic books and Archie yeah. conflict. It's We've reached comparable levels of absurd, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, I, I've never, I just want to know what his motivation is. Like if someone just tells me. Excuse me. If someone just says to me, his motivation is power. He wants to own everything. Like, even I even I just want to know that. I just mm. want someone to tell me. I want someone to bash me over the head with it. So many things are obvious in this show. Why can't that be obvious? <laughs> fair. <laughs> you know? Fair, fair, fair. <sighs> you know? So then that, that second last scene, though. Oh, now I'm angry. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we're getting there. Hmm. I I hope you surprise me, Riverdale, because um, I don't trust the sensitivity of this show in this format on this network at this moment mm. with this story. Despite all the good faith I want to give them, um, and despite the fact that I... I believe Madge and Amick and Lily Reinhardt are up for this performance challenge mm, and are mm-hmm. up for telling this story if it's told well. Um, I've been, I noticed in particular Madge and Amick this, this um, episode and thinking back since the time jump, she is playing a very new story of Alice's life with a lot yeah, of weight and power and um, perspective. And I, I think Maginamic is up for it. Um, will the show give her material that is appropriate and contemporary and and um, nuanced enough to explore um, murdered women and murdered sex workers uh, and high vulnerable, high risk people uh, living their lives and what happens every day? 
Yeah. Um, I did find... I did find her performance thus far making good use of the material she's been given. She didn't have a ton of lines, so... Yes, yes. But she's she's had a very strong presence and a real, like, emotional weight each time yeah. we see her. The, she, we see what's... We see what that a lot is weighing on her, and we see a lot of what it is in very few lines. Yeah, I mean, like, poor Alice. You know, she's had mm-hmm. two children one of whom was not actually her child, not work out. <laughs> yep. Also, Charles was her child. We don't know what happened there. Yeah. We just, one so this, he the, went serial prison, killer hus- <laughs> the serial killer ex-husband, the gang boyfriend who had to leave you for good reasons, the serial killer son, the serial killer fake son who's in love with the real son, maybe something, we don't know. Something happened there. And then... Polly and Jellybean and Jughead and Betty and, like, ah! Like, I... In season one, we met an Alice who is kind of Karen and who is kind of, like, morality policing using social uh, tropes and, and, and homogenous nuclear family stuff as yeah. a weapon and a cudgel. Uh, and it was wild because they flipped it right in that same season by throwing her in that fabulous serpent's dress. Yeah. Like, like Alice has been on a ride since the beginning. It's true. Alice does get a lot of, um, at least for the parents, gets a lot of interesting stuff to do, I think. Yeah. But has survived a lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll see where it goes next. Well, not next week. No, not next week. Next week is hiatus. In two weeks. In two, two weeks. weeks. Two weeks yes. from now, the hiatus 11th week. of March. Mm, correct. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, I'm not quite, I'm not quite done chewing on this bone. I don't know yet. I, I, I want to, like, look forward into this plot line for a moment. Um, I, I'm, I'm not worried where Archie's going, where Veronica's going, where Jughead's going. I'm worried where Betty's plot is going, but, um, like, what are we worried about? What could work? What are our pitfalls? Like, there's, 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 there's friction there in what's being presented to us. Sure. I mean, I'm feeling pretty ambivalent about a lot of these plots. I'm the most interested in what's going to happen to Polly. Um, I admit mostly for political reasons, but otherwise I haven't really, I don't know, I haven't really gotten super invested in anything yet. I'm mostly just curious. I think I'm mostly just enjoying the fact that they're playing their own, (laughs) their own Mm -hmm. age for a change. Mm -hmm. And I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of enjoying Mm -hmm. it really. I haven't, I'm not feeling strongly about anything yet. Yeah. Fair. I'm appreciating everyone being their own age in that um, I feel like it frees up a certain amount of acting energy that we're getting in a lot of great expressive face acting, a lot of great um, dynamic character moments, a lot of more goofy, bold choices that are less less constricted by, I'm playing a young version of this character, so I'm playing mm-hmm. a kid, and I'm also mm-hmm. playing this, and I'm also playing this, so this is put on, so my voice is like this. And there's, there's a lot of um, control... And work that can go into into aging aging yourself performatively. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And like Jughead especially has been much more um, vaudevillian faced to me uh, since since he's given up teendom. Yeah, they've definitely they've definitely done some work to make Jughead look like he he's aged for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Polly. Yeah, my my last thoughts on the polyplot line just before we walk away from that yeah, was um, I I hope I hope the hand's not her first and foremost. Yeah, I expect it to be. Um, but if it is, I hope we do her justice by telling more of her character and her experience and story. Yeah, um, I think it's possible. I, Sorry, go ahead. Um, Betty's, Betty's starting note in this, um, 
it explores something of the callousness and disconnect and distance that Betty has developed, the, the thick skin and the distance and the separation. And um, whatever her relationship with Polly becomes and is about this season, um, I hope I hope we see a fully realized relationship between these two characters that helps Betty change and that we get more of Polly's story and important beats of it in in wherever whatever this outcome is that we get a more complete step of Polly's life um I think that would I feel like that would be a step towards a respectful telling of a very very real conflict um and Betty perhaps being a a perspective character is someone through whom we can we can see and show and experience a great deal of growth and um and learning yeah, I I suspect that that hand is Lynette's, Lynette from the first episode, and that mm. Polly's phone has ended up with her and Polly is still out there somewhere. That is what I suspect, but I, maybe I'm I being I sure hope Polly is still out there. Yep. Yeah. Um, we'll see in two weeks, I guess. Yeah. I think that's it for us, gang. Have an excellent two weeks. Stay safe. Mm-hmm. Wear your masks. Don't um, breathe on people in large groups. It's rude. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Continuing on in this strange new dystopia that we are writing every day. Yeah. Yep. See you next week. No, no. See you in two weeks, gang. See you in two, two weeks. weeks gang. Bye. Bye.